Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. But one of the games remained in this Week 16 slate, uh, and it was yet another wild week as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. But somehow the the, the rankings and, and who's actually going to be in the playoffs just becomes more and more confusing as time moves on. This was a big win for the Packers. Uh, I think this, is, this was it. Aaron Rodgers has solidified himself as the MVP for the season. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was the, the the leader a couple weeks ago. He's probably the leader going into this week, in my opinion. But you put up another tough game against what should have been an opponent that they should have absolutely blown out. Uh, and now all of a sudden, I mean, really, this is Aaron Rodgers running away with it. Like, he would have to have a, a, a Bucks-type game like he had earlier in the season to even give Mahomes a shot. Uh, just, just looking at these numbers. Also, another thing I was surprised by, this was the A.J. Dillon game of sorts. I mean, Aaron Jones was still very involved in the offense, but we kind of got to see what the Packers hoped A.J. Dillon could be when they took him with the with the second-round pick. Uh, and, and it's very promising. Got his first touchdown of the night and was uh, was a big part of this Packers, def- or Packers offense on the ground. Uh, but what's more surprising than any of this is what we've seen from the Packers over the last few weeks uh, is is a what they're capable of. They're probably the favorites out of the NFC. I mean, the defense has looked a lot better in recent weeks. Uh, they've come off the heels of you know a couple of close games ever since that loss to the Colts in overtime. This has been a much different Green Bay Packers team, better in in all facets of the game. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers is turning back the clock why can't they make it to the Super Bowl? I think there's a lot of, and we talked about this, there are a lot of teams that have a lot of questions in the NFC at different positions. With with the uh, Seahawks, it's both lines, offensive and defensive line. What are you going to get from them? Uh, for for the Saints, it's, you know, what does Drew Brees have left in the tank and can they get healthy? That's a very real thing. Uh, and But really for the Packers over the last few weeks, they look really good. Run game strong, receiving core is great. They've got the future MVP on their team and, uh, the defense was the biggest question, especially the run defense, and I think that's done a, a good job of showing up. You know, Derrick Henry is a beast in the month of December, and he looked pretty pedestrian, uh, and, and that's a big, huge testament to the Packers, uh, what they can do out there. And, I mean, all things considered, I think that the Packers have to be the favorite out of the NFC. Uh, but for the Titans, they've kind of opened the door back up a little bit. They are now... Uh, they are now, you know, they got to win next week, and they're not guaranteed a playoff spot. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if they lose out, there's, there's a chance that they don't make the playoffs at all. Um, but the, take care of business against the Houston Texans, which I'm sure they will. And, and I'll say there were a few bright spots for them. I mean, it wasn't all bad, um, but it, it was a, it was just a snowy game, and this was a game that I thought the, the Titans were destined to win. You think about what they, what they're able to do, and it's. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm confused. It's it's a it's an interesting situation for this Titans to be in. Not as strong as you know what many people, including myself, initially thought. I thought going into this game they'd clinch the AFC South, really prove their dominance and gear up for another big January run like they had uh last year. I mean the last few weeks they've been great. Scored forty points three out of the last four weeks and thirty uh four um uh, five five out of the last five weeks. Um it's 
it's interesting to see them fall a little bit. I mean, this may be a blip, um, and they can right the ship against the Texans, but don't take anything for granted. I mean, as a Colts fan, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the Texans next week. Uh, it just opens up their opportunities to get into the playoffs, but this AFC playoff race is now very interesting. Five teams at 10 and five all have a decent shot of, of making it into the playoffs. It's five teams for three spots, four if you count the AFC South. So uh, it, it's a good one. I'm excited for it. Three-team race for the, the NFC East and the situation where a 6-10 and 10 team does make the playoffs is very much in play. We detailed it last week. Everything went right for week 16, and now all that has to happen is a Washington loss and a Giants win, and we'll have 6-10 and 10 New York uh, going into the playoffs, which is, which is very, very exciting. All right, so starting off the recap and analysis of the games, I mean, we'll go through the Friday and Saturday games pretty quickly, but the one place I want to start is that Dolphins-Raiders game. Now, it, it was very exciting back and forth towards the end traded touchdowns uh, before a game winning field goal from Jason Sanders. But my biggest issue going into it and, and I was kind of talking about it as the game happened was you're down on the one or two yard line. I think uh, with the Raiders and you've got a choice. You can run the ball, run a play, you score a touchdown. They have a minute left, no timeouts, but they would need to score a touchdown to win or tie. Had they gotten the, the two point conversion, um, but instead of even running a play at all, uh, trying to get towards the end zone, John Gruden decides to take a knee. Now, in taking a knee, they went to kick a field goal, uh, and and this opened the door, although 40 seconds less, so it's about 20 seconds on the clock compared to what would be a minute. Still no timeouts, but the range that you need to get is considerably shorter. And cut to some more Fitz magic after you know he was benched or Tua was benched in favor for Fitzpatrick again a, a, an amazing incredible throw as his face mask is getting twisted over his face uh, and all it took was one play and they were in field goal range um, and they ended up kicking the field goal winning the game keeping their playoff hopes alive and and now they're in the driver's seat uh, they control their own destiny uh, going into to week 17 but you think about that play and that decision and and I'm against it uh, first off I'm 100% against kneeling the ball not even running a play not even giving your team uh, an option to score you know because the field shrinks the closer you get to the end zone and yes there would have been 40 extra seconds on the clock but it becomes a whole lot harder to move the ball as you get closer and closer to the end zone. Whereas with the field goal, and we saw it, you just needed one play to go right. And obviously this was a, a you know, couldn't have scripted it better uh, to get them into field goal range with the 30-yard the completion plus the uh, face mask penalty. But going into it, you know, let, let's say let's say they, they run the play and they score a touchdown and, uh, and now you have that play. Okay, now you're set up on the 25 uh, and you have... 40 seconds to go, but you still need to get into the end zone. I think about the the Colts games against the Texans. Both times, the Texans fumbled inside the five-yard line in what was a touchdown game. If that's a field goal, I mean, the, the, the outlook is completely shifted, totally different in what you're trying to do. Uh, maybe you're not as aggressive. Um, and, and if you miss it, if you don't convert on, you know, what probably would have been a halfback dive for uh, Josh Jacobs and you kick a field goal, that's fine. I mean, you can you can sit on that and be okay, but knowing that John Gruden had an opportunity to run a play and maybe score a touchdown, maybe not, but maybe, uh, just doesn't sit right with me. And obviously th that ended Las Vegas' chances of the playoffs, and it put the, the Dolphins at 10-5 and, and evened out among these last four teams. So you've got 
the uh, Colts, Browns, Ravens, and Dolphins. The Colts being the odd team out in, in those four that are trying to win a playoff spot. Alvin Kamara's Christmas present to lots of fantasy football fans was 150 yards and six touchdowns, which if you have to ask, that's it, a pretty good gift. I mean, that's it tied a, a record. It seemed like they were going through him every time, and, and he kept delivering, which, I mean, is it's about all you can ask for. For these, the Vikings now moving to 6-9 and nine, are just trying to angle for a good pick in the draft. But the question remains for the Vikings. Do you move on from Kirk Cousins? I mean, he had a pretty good game, 27-41, 291 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, and obviously the problem lies within the defense. But how much longer are, are Minnesota fans going to be uh, willing to put up with you know Kirk Cousins? He had a good week this week, but overall in the season, it's 20th in QBR, not a great performance. I mean, more often than not, he's he's turning the ball over and putting the team in a, in a bad position. And you see this trend. We've seen this trend with a lot of these NFL teams um, now that are favoring the mobile quarterback. You know, and and if you have a guy with even lesser skills, it doesn't even have to be a similar skill set. But you you prefer the guy that has legs and can create outside the pocket uh, as opposed to the guy who who may be more accurate or, or who may have more arm talent, uh, and, and that's a trend I think we're going to continue to see. It's kind of like a, 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 um, a big man who can't shoot threes in the NBA. There's a reason why Rudy Gobert and, and Andre Drummond and Tristan Thompson aren't collecting uh, you know, multiple all-stars and being in the conversation for, for MVPs because the game has changed, and, and it's, very, it's a very similar transition period for guys like Kirk Cousins, for guys like Jared Goff, who struggle to get out and, and create on the move, uh, and we're going to see as these next uh, level of, of quarterbacks come into play that they're going to be out of jobs, you know, because that's, it's just what the offense is, is gunning towards what, what it's leaning towards. It's, it's the trend that they're taking. Uh, that's part of the reason why I have a guy like Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati as my, my fifth best quarterback in this draft, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are kind of the odd man out. They're the seven footer who, who doesn't have a mid range game uh, coming into this draft and, and they're going to hurt because of it. This Buccaneers game was was very encouraging, 47-7, to absolute blowout. Uh, even Blaine Gabbert was dealing when, when he got in and, and got his reps. And I think this is a win that you need if you're Tampa Bay. Moves you to 10-5 and on the season uh, and, and in a nice position to potentially go up and get that five seed in the playoffs. Uh, we'll have to see how everything shapes out. But but following the, uh, the Rams' loss to the Seahawks, they are now... Uh, controlling their own destiny, and, and maybe there's a shot that they go out and 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 steal that that one seed from the Saints. The Saints uh, have to go and play the Panthers, uh, whereas the Bucks get the Falcons for the the second time in, in three weeks. And the last time they played, it was a big big comeback victory, down 24-7 before they they brought it all the way back. But um, you have to like the odds of of playing a team like Washington or the Giants or the Cowboys, depending on how it shakes out over what would have to be a, a tough game in, in CenturyLink in Seattle. Uh, so this was a big win. This was a, a not only morale-boosting win, but you kind of have to feel like the Bucks are getting hot at the right time. You know, since since the uh, the second half of that um, Falcons game that they played last week, they've been on an absolute tear, right? They've allowed 17 points over the last six quarters, uh, and on top of that have scored 78. That's good. That is very good. Um, and as for the uh, Cardinals 49ers game, 
Cardinals move themselves out of uh, out of controlling their own destiny for the playoffs after the Bears beat the Jaguars pretty convincingly this week. Uh, so now the Bears go into to Lambeau uh, and have a chance to to clinch that wild card spot. But even if they don't, uh, the the Cardinals still have to go and play uh, the L.A. Rams. So it's not encouraging either way. And if both teams finish eight and eight, then the Bears would have that tiebreaker. So th- this was a game that I think the 49ers, you know, got George Kittle back. This was a game to to build. Uh, build momentum a little bit, build a, a little bit of, uh, you know, this is what we can do. We miss a lot of guys this season, but we're still very, very dangerous. Uh, it might've taken them out of a good spot to get a quarterback, one of these top quarterbacks in the draft, but I think you'll take uh, real victories over moral victories any day of the week. The one thing that won't be a mystery is uh, who who takes the NFC West as the Seahawks took care of business and are now, uh, you know, on pace to maybe make some noise in the playoffs, maybe as, as they're seeding, uh, will improve. They move to 11 and four. So if the Packers lose, it's a three-way tie for for first place for the number one seed in the NFC. But I think the biggest thing, what what I'm most disappointed in is, you know, I talked about we had Jameis one of one on here a couple weeks ago, and we power ranked our five best teams moving forward in the playoffs. And I had the Rams at, at number two because the way they were able to move the ball, the way they were able to, you know, shut down teams defensively was very encouraging. No Cam Akers this game, which Definitely makes a huge difference. He had 170 yards just a couple weeks ago uh, against the Patriots. But if you're the Rams defense, you held the Seahawks to to 20 points, right? That's really good. You held them to 16 last time you played. Uh, you you outgained them on the ground. Uh, you out you had a better yards per carry. You did just about everything well defensively. Uh, shut them down, but you can only put together nine points. I mean, you're not going to win many games if any at all putting up nine points and uh you know for as great as that defense played if Jared Goff doesn't find his confidence back I mean these last few games have been rough uh losing to the Jets like we said um after what was a very big win over the Patriots only allowing them to score three points and a big win over the Cardinals just the week before that uh I mean this this team has a lot of stuff to figure out and I mean there's a chance that they don't make the playoffs they haven't clinched yet but if the Bears win and the the Cardinals beat the Rams next week, then all of a sudden they're at nine and seven and and they're the eighth seed. Um, so this is this these last few weeks, these last two weeks have gone about as poorly as they could have expected for a Rams fan. And now it begs the question, and it's a very serious question: Do you move on from Jared Goff in the offseason? Is is that something that that makes sense? I mean, his his contract may be tough to get out of, but there's so much money locked up and. And so many different guys that, I mean, maybe it's worth a shot going after a quarterback in the draft, maybe one in free agency. Um, but their cap situation is very, very tough. I'd have to look into it and see, you know, if trading him or cutting him is even feasible given, you know, the money that he's owed over these next few years. But looking over the Seahawks, a win is a win. And that's great. But I, I, I guarantee you, much like, you know, the, the Rams are going to beat teams scoring nine points. That offense is not going to beat teams scoring 20 points in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the Rams are, are, are a very good team defensively, but the way they've looked the last few weeks, they are nowhere close to the cream of the crop uh, when it comes to offensive play from what we've seen from a lot of these teams in the NFC. I mean, the Bucks have no trouble getting it going, the Saints, the Packers. Um, and right now, as it shapes out, if, if the playoffs ended today, they would play the Rams again. And you'd probably have to like the Seahawks. I, I I think I'd prefer the Seahawks going into this matchup just from what we've seen the last few weeks out of these Rams. I mean, 
a healthy Cam Akers is definitely a game changer, no doubt about it, uh, given what we saw, you know, just two weeks ago. But overall, this is not encouraging if you are a a fan of, uh, of the Rams. Uh, and moving forward, the Seahawks have a lot they can fix too. You know, they've got a big game against the 49ers, want to take care of business. That one seed is not out of the question for them. And, and that's everything that they should be pushing for because it's going to give them a big leg up. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot easier having the Packers come play them than having to go to Lambeau Field, uh, you know, especially when it gets cold. Um, no fans in CenturyLink still. Maybe that might get changed for the playoffs. Um, but you'd rather go home to no fans than go to, you know, an opposing uh, opponent stadium and, and have to face uh, any sort of uh, any sort of home field advantage. So big win for the Seahawks to close this thing out. But Russell Wilson's got to fix some stuff. I mean, these last few weeks, he has not looked good. And by last few, I mean six or seven. Uh, it's been very consistent. He went from, you know, the leading MVP candidate to a guy who isn't in the conversation at all anymore. You can't even, I mean, there's guys I would, I would realistically take over him. I would take Derrick Henry over Russell Wilson for MVP at this point. But um, I mean, it's, it's all about coming together at the right time. Uh, a win is a win. You know, the NFC West is, has, has been won for them and, and the one seed is still in play. The Browns had a serious shot to lock up their playoff spot, but they become yet another team in the hunt, trying to close things out that lose to the New York Jets. I mean, this is absolutely a confidence booster for this team. Uh, and, and you've heard, you know, that these Jets, they play hard. Marcus May, their strong safety, is one of the better safeties in the league. And this Jets team came ready to play. The Bengals obviously were without wide receivers, but the Jets did a really good job of making sure that that the Browns had no way to get it going uh, on the offensive side of the ball when it came to the running game. You know, uh, uh, through most of the game, uh, Nick Chubb had been stifled. And even then, he ended 11 carries, 28 yards. But they threw the ball 50 three times and I understand they've been playing from behind for most of it but this is kind of this is kind of the thing that you want to avoid if you're Kevin Stefanski and and the uh, Cleveland Browns you want to establish the game uh, running the ball and get things going there and let Baker throw when he's got a clean pocket and and when it makes sense and when it's you know uh, seen as a tendency breaker when when Baker has to throw to to keep him alive especially playing from a deficit that's been the big concern for him through most of his NFL career, and, and we, we've seen it yet again today. 28 of 53, 285 yards, four sacks, two fumbles. Uh, he fumbled three times, only lost it twice. Uh, and this Cleveland team has to go play Pittsburgh, who is still very much in the running for that two seed, and, and they're going to be playing for something. Um, so it's not going to be an easy win, and, and a loss would be very difficult to come back from. I mean, Really, any of these these four teams lose at ten and five, and, and they really run the risk of of screwing over their chances of finishing with us with a, a, a solid spot here or a spot at all in in the playoffs. Uh, but moving over to the Colts Steelers game, this was a disappointing one. Colts went up twenty four to seven at halftime, or twenty one to seven at halftime, and could only muster up a field goal in the second half as as the uh, the Steelers scored twenty one unanswered. The Colts had a lot of opportunities to score. Uh, they kind of let the running game go in the second half. That was something I would have liked to see continued because the Steelers had literally no answer for it. Um, and in the first half, Colts held the Steelers to eight rushing. I mean, they only ended with 20, but they held them to eight rushing yards. Um, and through most of it looked very, very dominant. But I mean, the big concern for me was two things. One, uh, they were playing right up against the, uh, the defensive offensive line um, and were stopping a lot of these quick passes that the Steelers like to use. 
Uh, and then the Steelers had a couple of deep shots, a nice 39-yard touchdown to Deontay Johnson. And then it seemed like they just gave up. They really had no inclination to to stay on that, uh, stay on the line and, and stop these short passes. And that's really what led the Steelers back into it. Not these big drives, but these short, you know, chippy passes that they were able to run and, and get extra yardage for. And I'll be honest with you, the, the refs did not help. There were a lot of missed calls in this game that could have gone either way. There was, I mean, probably five or six game-changing calls that, or calls or no calls that went against the Colts. Um, and the biggest one had to be the no no pass interference call uh, when the Colts were driving on what would have been the two-yard line, which likely would have led to a score. But the Colts go from basically controlling their destiny when you're in against a very beatable Jacksonville Jaguars team to now essentially having the hope for something. And the Dolphins and the Browns both play uh, some stiff competition. The Dolphins go and play Buffalo, uh, and the, the Browns have to go play the Steelers. So it's realistic to hope for this, but uh, I mean, still, you, you got to feel bad leaving the door open in this situation where realistically the, the division is in play. Um, and, you know, they, they went into that game knowing that the, the Titans had um, a shot to lose to this Packers team. And basically that would have put them in the driver's seat, a win and you're in and you're, you're the three seed, right? And and so it's it's a little disappointing, especially as a Colts fan, knowing that, you know, up 21, 24 to seven in the second half, uh, everything was going your way. And then things just really fell apart. Um, and, and now, seriously, the, the question begs again, for its greatest rivers has played, uh, do you go another way in the off season? I mean, realistically, if he signed, and we talked about this before, if he signed uh, another $25 million deal, um, you could get a guy in Carson Wentz who's, yes, come off of a, a tough stretch of uh, basically a tough season all the way around um, for that same price, get him in for a longer term and get out of that deal after year two uh, or go for another one-year contract with Phillip Rivers. And realistically, that's it. I mean, you're probably not going to sign, re-sign Jacoby Brissett. The quarterback market, we don't know what it's going to look like two years from now. We know there are a lot of guys, a lot of starting quality options, Jameis, Carson Wentz, even Dak Prescott, if he's made available for trade, um, that are all going to be available this next season. But two years from now, who knows? Who knows what the landscape looks like? So why not give yourself the security of, you know, Carson Wentz, see if it works out. If it doesn't, then after year two, you can cut him for virtually nothing. But you get a guy uh, for $25 million a year over four years, as opposed to, you know, re-signing Phillip Rivers for one year, over 25 and this is the most difficult thing especially for for Colts fans uh the best way to put it is Philip Rivers is the inverse of Andrew Luck watching Andrew Luck you know from his rookie season he had like what six fourth quarter comebacks it was incredible every time you felt like he had the ball uh and he was driving you know down late felt like there's always a way it was going to work out but every time I watch Philip Rivers have the ball down late needing a, a big drive and and a score I feel like something's going to go wrong. And more often than not, I've been 100% correct. Uh, and even this drive down the field, there were a couple of good good shots that Rivers took, but a good chunk of the yards came from just these screen passes. I mean, he's not a guy who can drive the ball down the field anymore. And how much of that injury is is, is hurting him? Uh, he's going to have to have off-season surgery for it. But sure, you know, there you can make the case for that. But, but moving forward, I would much rather have a guy like Jameis Winston, a guy like Carson Wentz, uh, being the quarterback of my team 
and hope for that long-term upside. Whereas with Rivers, you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, and there were two costly turnovers through this weird pass that was intercepted into triple coverage um, that led to a turnover and then a, a fumble that set the Steelers up when they had virtually no offense going the entire first half and put them at the three-yard line. I mean, those are mistakes that you just can't make, and it's mistakes that he's continually made throughout the season. And I know there was a stretch of games where you know he, he looked really good, but keep in mind, those were against the Raiders and the Texans, two very bad defensive teams. So, uh, I mean, yes, there's still a chance that the Colts can get into the playoffs, and I think there's a chance they can make some noise. I mean, this defense is very good, as they showed in the first half of this game. Uh, and the running game, when they give the ball to Jonathan Taylor consistently enough, he, he can win you games. He can put the team on his back. But if you're not going to give the ball to him and, and trust Philip Rivers, you're going to be disappointed. So still a shot, like I said. It's not over yet. But uh, it sucks to know that it was, you know, they were this close to being in the driver's seat of this game and and, and definitely to, to come up short. And finally, at on the Monday night game, the Monday night's the slate, we've got the Bills and the Patriots. The Bills have a chance to keep pace with the Steelers. They do have the, the tie break um, but at, at 12-3, and three, but a, a win goes a long way in ensuring that they get that two seed, which the way that these playoff teams, the wildcard teams shape out, you know, you just kind of pick your poison. You don't really know how it's going to going to look, especially now that that two seed is not uh, have that coveted buy. Um, but, I mean, this game for the Patriots, I don't know. This is a game where you see if you have anything at all uh, with Cam Newton still, anything that, that leads for optimism. But realistically, you're trying to, to get a better draft spot, maybe get into a position where you can draft uh, uh, your quarterback in the future, although it's looking increasingly difficult with the way that this draft order slots out. But, um, I mean, Damian Harris has been good. Uh, Cam Newton has been good in spurts, but only when the the game really dictates him to to get going really to run the ball and and establish himself i mean he's a guy that if you can get him going early you can do a couple designed runs and get him an early score uh can get can get himself into the game right and, and kind of be motivated and, and go but if he doesn't it takes a hard time uh, it takes a long time for him to to really come into his own and and win some games so really for this for this game what i'm looking for and i know the bills have been on a tear but I think if Cam Newton scores a touchdown, either passing touchdown, rushing, whatever the case, if he scores a touchdown first, as in seven to nothing, Cam Newton rushing touchdown, Cam Newton passing touchdown, I think the Patriots win this game. I think they win it outright. Uh, but if not, then I think this is going to be the Bills because the Bills are a tough team to defend against. I mean, they can beat you in a variety of ways. Um, and really, it's been Josh Allen by himself for the for the most part on this season. He's coming to his own in a crazy way. I saw a stat where he had he hadn't had a season, high school, college, or the NFL, a season of over 60% completion percentage. Uh, and now this season, he's at 69%, which is insane. I mean, huge credit to Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, uh, who's going to be getting some calls in the offseason to uh, for, for a head coaching spot, uh, to getting him going and really establishing him as one of the premier quarterbacks in the league uh he he was a guy that people thought you know was was kind of a, a risk even going ninth overall uh in that in that draft but credit to him what he's been able to do and establish himself and really the biggest reason why they've had such success is because of Stephon Diggs what he's been able to do uh with that passing offense has absolutely transformed the team uh they've never really had an established wide receiver one they didn't really have a, a plethora of reliable pass catchers but now you bring in Stefan Diggs 111 catches 
1,300 yards, uh, not to mention Cole Beasley's got uh, 79 catches and nearing uh, 1,000 himself. But it takes the burden off of a lot of these players, and I think they could add a few more pass catchers still. But what you've gotten from them so far is very encouraging, and this is you know, for a good chunk of the season without a very good defense. Defense has turned it around as of late. And without a solid running game, I mean, you know, they, they've had to go in a variety of ways. Uh, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, really neither have established themselves as, as the lead back, but they've gained on the ground. If you take away Josh Allen's rushing yards, just a little over 1,200 yards uh, on the ground and averaging under uh, or just over four yards a carry. Uh, so credit to what they've been able to do. But I think, you know, Bill Belichick is is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And and if he can get Cam Newton going, if he can establish Cam Newton as, as a real threat to be a game changer, to be, you know, to, to turn this game on its head and get that touchdown early, I think the Patriots win. I think that's the only way the Patriots win this game. Uh, but if not, it's a Bills win and a big matchup with Miami with both teams, you know, uh, fighting for a seeding implication for the for the Bills getting that two or three seed and the Dolphins potentially playing for their playoff lives. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, I'm very excited for week 17. We're going to get Jameis one of one back on to recap um, everything that happens next week and a look ahead to the playoff picture. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Can't wait. Till then, see you guys.